Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. together for all that God is doing in this place. <clears throat> a good friend of mine told me one time, he says, if you're going to talk about money, you got to look like you got some. You got to look like you belong in that conversation. And so with that said, two things, I figured I would dress up for one to show y'all that I, I got a little bit of gear. Number two, you remember this conversation that we have today because like, yeah, you remember the one where he preached about spiritual fitness, he wore his workout attire. And now he's uh, talking about money, and he wore his business attire. So, <clears throat> in case you haven't guessed it already, we're talking about money today. And for pastors, this is always one of those difficult conversations. It always gets extra quiet in the room. Um, it always is uncomfortable because we never want to feel like we're begging you for money. It's always a very uncomfortable conversation, but it's necessary because it's biblical. It's biblical to give to your church. It's biblical to have a giving plan, and that's really going to be the bulk of what we talk about today. I'm honored that you all are here. I hope that you've been blessed so far by this new series entitled Above All. We're talking about love, you know, above all of the things that we we, we spend our most time on above all of the things that we give our most energy toward, above all of the things that we even give our money toward and, and, and focus on. It's way more important to focus on loving God, loving people, and proving it. Loving God, loving all of his people, and proving it daily. And that's what I want to talk about over these next three remaining weeks here. Thank you. Is this for me? All right. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you to the worship team. Thank you for the setup team this morning. Thank you, Akiko, for nursing this voice of mine. Trust me, it sounded much worse earlier. I mean, it was it was bad, but now I, I feel close to my normal self. Just a little raspy, which might be kind of sexy. I don't know. Where's my wife? If she here, she'll tell me. My wife will tell me if it is. Well, anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna to, to hold y'all too long. Let's go ahead and um, if you notice on your, on your notes today, I only have some scripture, but I got a whole bunch of lines because I want you all to be taking your own notes. I'm not going to tell you what's an important note when it comes to money and, and what your plans are. I'm, I want you to take the notes. I want you to take from this what you can take back and establish in your own house, in your own community. I want you to take your notes. And here, let God speak to your heart this morning. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, be my voice this morning. Oh, God, speak through me. God, I will speak for you if you speak through me. 
help my voice this morning. Let these words that I share, your own words, not just uh, go past the ears of the listeners, but rest on the hearts of those in attendance. Oh, God, I feel your presence here already, but if you do me one small favor, bless this place, this holy ground from center to circumference so that when we leave here, we can say we left changed and inspired. God, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. The scripture that's going to really be our, 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 our main driving point, there are just two, and you have them in your notes. One will be this one, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, and the other one will be uh, in Luke. Let me start with the one from Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 17 and 19, and I'm going to read the message version for you because this is so important. I don't want us to get caught up in Shakespearean language. This is so important. I want to speak a vernacular that you're comfortable in, with hearing. I want to speak right in your face. So I'm going to read the, the message version, and it says this. This is Paul writing to his, his spiritual son, his mentor, I mean his mentee, so to speak. And he's telling him this. He says, tell those rich in this world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to give, to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage. To do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. I love that word, extravagantly generous. Extravagant. When we think of extravagant, we think of of things that are just over the top, right? So he says, be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasure that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Now, some of you are like, that doesn't apply to me because I'm, I'm not rich. I barely got two pennies to rub together. I'm, I'm on a fixed income. This does not apply to me. Well, according to my studies, and y'all know that I research everything, it applies to just about everybody in this room. I'll just give you an example. Because this morning, I want to be talking to some rich people. And I'm also going to be talking to people that love their church. This morning, my conversation, not a message, is for rich people and people that love their church. And I can guess and, and firmly believe that there are, you fit in either of those categories this morning, if not both. Here, here, here's a rich people. Just so you know, it only takes $34,000 a year after taxes to be among the richest 1% in the entire world. Now, let me fix that. That's 34000 for each person in your family. I did the math, and we, we don't qualify. We're not in the 1% in my household. But we are in the 50%. And most of you all fit in that same category. Now, if you are a single person and you make over $34,000 a year, hello, rich somebody. Hello, moneymaker. Okay, if you uh, have a family uh, and you have uh, two, just two people, and you make sixty-eight thousand, hello, rich some people. You're rich, according to the world's standards. According to the the world's standards. Watch this. Watch this. The true global middle class falls far short of owning a home having a car in their driveway, saving for retirement, and sending their kids to college. In fact, in fact, people at the world's true middle, as defined by the median income of the world, live on just $1,225 a year. 
not a month, not a week, a year, $1,225 a year is the median income of the so-called middle class of the world. Some of y'all make that in an hour, rich folk. That's who I'm talking to this morning, rich folk. If you make more than that in a month, you are among 50% of the world's wealthiest people. If you have a regular access to any form of transportation, I'm not talking about your car. I'm saying if you have access to transportation, you are among the rich in this world. If you have, if you got up this morning, you took your shower, you turned the water on, you could leave it running because you are among the rich. You left it running, let it warm up for you. You got in there. You stood in there for about five minutes just enjoying the warmth, hitting your skin. Then you lathered. Then you rinsed. Not once did you cut the water off. Your whole experience in the shower was probably 25 to 30 minutes. Am I right about it? I'm not telling nobody's business. Am I right about it? Okay, ouch, exactly. It was a great experience. Yeah, 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 you're rich. And then after you were done, you, you wrapped your towel and put your robe on, and you went into this, this room that has a door on it. Uh, some of us call it a wardrobe. Others of us call it a closet. And when you stood in that space, and you looked, and you thought, and you looked while you were in the shower, you were thinking about what you were going to wear today, but then you got to your closet, and you decided, I'm not going to change my mind. This doesn't go with that. That doesn't go with this. I wore this last Sunday. You had options when you looked into your closet or your wardrobe. Am I right about it? Am I talking to a few rich people this morning? Right. Yeah, you don't want to admit it because, you, you know, we're going to talk about money. But we got some rich folk in here. You looked in your closet. You had options. You are among the rich in this world. And then, and, and then your belly began to growl a little bit. You're like, you know, I can't eat a full-on breakfast because I, I, I'm running late. I want to get there in time for the prayer. I want to make sure I can get a good seat at the church. And, and, so, and so, but I'm just going to grab me something to go. And you went downstairs. And as you were on your way downstairs, you flicked the switch. And all of a sudden, it was light. And you, you didn't even have to ask God for that one. You was like, click, and there's light. And there, there it was. And then you went downstairs, and then you went into this box that keeps things cool. It's uh, called a refrigerator. And you looked in there, and you said, hmm, and you left it open, wasting energy, trying to figure out what snack you would eat real quick while you were headed to church. Hello, rich folk. Y'all, y'all tell me when you want me to stop, because I, I know a lot, of, a lot of y'all are in that, that, that category of, of being rich. And, and listen, I want to tell you something. I don't want you to be offended. This message today, this conversation we'll have is not to offend you, but it's to help you understand the purpose of their wealth through God. Today, I want you to leave this place knowing that I have a purpose with my money and, and God has his hand on it. I got this money. I got this wealth. I got everything I got because God has blessed me with it. So I don't want to offend you. I want to help you today. And guess what? I normally charge people for these consulting conversations. Today is free 99 for you. It's absolutely free. I even dressed up to have this conversation with y'all this morning. Amen. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that today. We're going to talk about that. I also want to talk to people that, that, that say, I love my church. Oh, man, there's no church like Mosaic. Man, Mosaic Church has done something special in my life. I was disconnected. I stopped going to church after a while, and I, I, I just didn't believe in it no more. But then I found this little church. 
this community of, of believers called Mosaic Church over in Mableton. And man, I made some new friends. My marriage has gotten stronger. My faith walk is just wow. I'm telling you, I, I, every step I take is on faith. I've grown spiritually in this place. I love this place, but yeah, I could do a little bit more. I could, I could spend a little bit more time at my church and volunteering. Uh, I could, I could maybe, maybe, I, maybe I can give a few more dollars to help my church. I want to talk to those people as well today. So the rich and those who love their church, get ready. We're going to have a really good heart-to-heart, and I pray that at the end of this we'll still be friends. Amen. Some of y'all thinking about it already. Don't quit me just yet. Let's not break up, okay? Let's disagree but come back together and make up. You know, the makeup part is always best. It's the best part of the breakup, right? All right. I got some adults here who know what I'm talking about. Some married folk here know what I'm talking about. If I were to take a survey right now, and I won't do this, and ask you how many of you love your church, and I didn't, even if you don't come to Mosaic, I, I, I'm pretty confident, including William, we'd all raise our hands. I'm pretty confident in that, right? Right, Exactly. I want to share something with you. Who can, who can tell me, and anybody can shout this out, the greatest competitor for your heart? What's the greatest competitor for your heart with God? Money is the greatest competitor with your heart for God. It's not, it's not your boyfriend. It's, it's, it's not your job. It's not your education. It's money. The greatest competitor for your heart with God is money. Why? Because we hold that to a higher standard than our God. We believe so much more in what money can do for us than what we believe God can do for us. I'm guilty of it. Don't feel bad. You're not alone. Your pastor's done it. I've done it. I've, I've given up my faith sometimes and stepped out and says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this because, God, you're taking too long. So let me go ahead and get me a couple jobs to make these ends get close enough to see each other, and, and, and then I'll, I'll catch up with you later, God. I've done that. And in the end, it was the stupidest decision I ever made. But when I learned to put God first, when I learned to really operate on faith, he would show up. When I say on time, in our eyes, it's last minute, but it's on time. He would show up like a minute before Georgia Power would come by. He would show up sometime when Georgia Power was out there trying to figure out how to open up the doggone box. And all of a sudden, I got it paid, Doc. You got the wrong house. Go next door. It's paid. Huh? I, he's shown up when the repossession man was pulling up in my driveway. And I said, wait a minute, Doc. I got a receipt for that. It happened just yesterday. I'm going to tell my business, and I ain't ashamed about it. Because if I tell my business, then you'll feel comfortable sharing yours, and it'll make you be in a place where you're comfortable among your friends knowing that, yeah, if you're in a church with people that got issues, just like you, none of us are holier than thou. And when I begin to put my faith in God, and take my faith off of Broderick, and take my faith off of Erica, and take our faith and put it all on God, things change radically. And that's what I want to talk about today regarding your money. I want to share something with you. You can take this note if you want. This is good. What I'm about to give you right now is good. This is meat. You can chew on this all day. It's like jerky. It's good stuff. Ready? Never love anything that can't love you back. Money can't love you back. It can. It's impossible. Money, money can provide some things that will make you feel really good. It, it, it can provide some things that will make you feel even comfortable. Uh, money can provide some things that will make you think that, that I'm secure 
in life. But money can never love you back. It's paper, number one. It, it, and it, it don't belong to you. If you got a couple dollars in your pocket, you know that don't belong to you. That's why you cannot write on it. That's why you cannot rip it. That's why you can't burn it. I, I look at people who do, like Floyd Mayweather, he does that stuff. I'm like, man, you going to jail. That ain't your money. I know you earned it, but that's the government money. It's used to, for a transaction. I give you this, you give me that. I give you money, you give me my goods. And then the next person uses that same money, and, you know, that's what it's for. It's the government's. The money is the government's. So that money can certainly not give you love. But let, let, let me stop there. Never love anything that can't love you back. Ready? Some people are like that too. They have the capacity to love you back, but they are not the ones that are yoked to love you back. Never love anything that can't love you back. That career that you've busted your butt for, you got all the degrees in the world, you've given them 48, 50, 60 hours, all of this good stuff. They will give you an boy, at a girl, they'll give you a dad. Matter of fact, you'll be the employee of the doggone year, but that don't mean they love you. They just like the work you do for them. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Got my Baptist thing happening. Yeah, you're right. That car that you saved up for, yeah, don't fall in love with it. You, you go out there diapering it up. You done took your baby's diaper, the cloth diaper, so you can keep it nice and shiny, so you can see your reflection oh so perfect. Yeah, it can't love you back. It can't. That house, that beautiful house that you, that you just bought, oh, man, and God blessed you with it too. It, it, it can't love you back. Never love anything that can't love you back. So what am I saying? Love God who already loves you back. He loved you before you loved yourself. He loves you in spite of yourself. Even if you don't spend time with him, he's still like, I love you. It's all good, but I love you. I love you. And when you're ready to kick it with daddy again, come on, baby. Come on. The only person or only thing that can love you back is God only one my wife can love me well my, and she does she's like phenomenal you know when it look you know i mean they should put her in the book like on how to love your husband and my wife would be like because she does a phenomenal phenomenal job of that but if i ever mess up there could be a point where she could stop loving me if i do something stupid there could be a point where she stopped loving me so i have to love her because i'm responsible for her. she's my wife we're responsible for each other in a marriage but I still have to love my God even more than I love her. It would be a great injustice if I didn't do it that way. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this, and Erica will admit, she wouldn't marry me if I didn't love God more than her. That's why she married me, because I was a God-loving man, a God-fearing man. That's why we are who we are, but there's an extent to how much we have to love each other and put our love for God first. Never love Anything that can't love you back, especially money. How would you love God's greatest competitor more than you love him? And when you put more trust in your money than you do your God, then you are saying, I love my money more than I love my God. And that's a problem. That's a problem. First Timothy 10 says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierce themselves with many sorrows that's something right there right the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. In other words, when you begin to put so much love and attention to your money, right, all kinds of thoughts and things come into your head, all types of distrust come into your head. Now, I, I, I just want to say, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, the, the, and we'll talk about this in a minute, is that you begin to think that, that people are out to get you, people are out to get your money. Your money controls your thoughts. It controls how you spend it, how you use it, and who you use it on. The root, yes, amen. Yeah, help me preach this thing, Mason. Help me preach this thing. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's, that's something right there, the root of all kinds of evil. It's not money itself that we, that we love. It's what money does for us that many of us love. It, it, it provides a certain thing for us that we fall in love with and then fall into all types of temptation and worse, all types of debt. And that's just a bad place to be in. We are supposed to be lenders, not borrowers. And, and, and so we'll, we'll, get in, we'll, we'll get into that. For those people who, 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 who I've identified as rich and those people who I've identified as church lovers, I want to say this. This is where I'm going to test you. Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So let me say it this way. If I were to ask you, and I'm not that church. Y'all have seen that church where they put your name on the bulletin for those who don't give and all this stuff. If I were to say, hey, pull your bank statement. Let me see where your heart is. How many of you could look at Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't do that. I don't want to embarrass anybody, including myself. But how many of you would be comfortable saying, my heart is toward God just based upon my bank statement? How many of you would say that? See, we, 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 we put a whole lot of our money to keep these companies happy. We put a whole lot of our money to keep, it, you know, these, 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 these companies and corporations happy. And in the end, our God is not. Because if, if at the end of the day, the, te- the scale is tipped more toward stuff that brought you temporary happiness versus a God that brings you eternal happiness, then you're imbalanced. And that's a problem. And you got to fix that. Now, 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 listen, let me tell you why we're talking about money today. This church right here meets in this elementary school in the oldest school in this county in a cafetorium. Let's be honest. It's not the sexiest place to be. I've had great men and women tell me personally, Roderick, Man, that church is awesome. And the people I came to visit, they were so warm and so welcoming and loving. They made me feel right at home. I love it. If I lived in Mableton, I would probably attend your church, but I don't know if I'd become a member because I'm not comfortable in the space that you're in. Now, there's only so much we can do to beautify this this gorgeous building, this historic building with so much character. There's only so much we can do to make this place comfortable so that we can receive and have an encounter with God. But that's a problem. That's a problem. What we do at Mosaic Church, and then I'll share this with you as well, at the end of service, we do have our financial book, so you can take a look at it. It's wide open for everybody to see. That one of our greatest areas that we give to, last year specifically, was to outreach lot thousands of dollars went out to outreach we don't make a lot of money it's a small church right we brought in sixty nine thousand dollars 
We brought in $65,000. We spent $69,000. We started the year in the hole. The bank account didn't look that way, but our budget certainly told the story. And, and, and can I tell you why that happens? Because as I did my math and I looked at, looked at all the givers and I looked at, you know, where we were, 25% of the people in this wonderful church give regularly. 25% of the people in this community give regularly. Now, here's the, other, here's the other news. This is the good news, right? Ready? Everybody has given at least once, but, we own, but there's only 25% of our community that gives regularly. Here's the good news. Have we missed a service yet that we didn't plan on it? Okay, for those who don't know, no. Have we been able to do outreach and help people in dire need? Absolutely. You, 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 can, you can bet your bottom dollar on that one. Okay? Ha, 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 has pastor and his wife been put out? No, nah, we, still, we still living in our crib. Huh? We, we still doing all right. We still making it. Hmm? We've not missed service. We've been able to help this community. We've been able to do some amazing outreach. We've been able to contribute to discipling the youngest and next generation. It's not free to do that. And just for the record, Salvation is free, but ministry costs money. In case you didn't know that. Salvation, that's, you know, he gives that to you. You can, you, it's free. I can't even charge you for it. Grace, mercy, free. Get that. But the work of ministry costs money. Now, for the record, it's not Broderick, it's scripture. If we, if we, if we read New Testament, um, uh, uh, we can look at the very first church, the early century church, you know, who had a no-strings-attached generosity. That no-strings-attached generosity was the hallmark of the first-century church. If, 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 if we look back at the first-century church, when, when, when they, after Peter and the whole crew of 120 left the upper room and came down and he stood in front of thousands of people in that festival and he started preaching and all of these people came to Christ and the very first thing they do is form a community, what do they do when they form a community? They sold their possessions and brought them together. People own houses and land and businesses. They sold that, brought it together. Then what did they do next? Gave it to the poor. So nobody needed anything. It's, it's not me. You find it in Acts 2. If you don't believe me, find it in Acts 2. Open your Bible if you have one. You'll see it right there in Acts 2. What happened? They sold their possessions, gave it to the poor. Nobody needed anything. Then they repeated it again in Acts 4. They did the exact same thing when they had more believers. At this point, they're up to 5,000 plus they would say it's just 5,000 men. That didn't include uh, women and children, right? 5,000 plus. What did they do? They sold their possessions. They talked about a brother by the name of uh, uh, Barnabas who had land. He sold that and gave to the church. Why? So that the church could help poor folk. And then that story resonates throughout the entire New Testament where Paul is telling each brand new church plant, give to the church, give to the saint, give to the priest so that we can do the work of God. None of this is Broderick. It's all biblical. Everything that I'm saying, you can find it in the same book that I read to find the information. The same thing there. So, so why did they give? It's because Peter and them asked them. That's why. No, absolutely not. Peter didn't say, hey, tell y'all what, we got a brand new community. We're going to go out, share the gospel, and recruit people to, to be soldiers for this new thing. No, Peter didn't do that. He preached, stepped down from the pulpit. They believed everything he said, 
and say, you know what? Tell you what, man, you're going to need that to keep this thing going. And somebody saw that and said, you know what? Let's start a whole, a whole train, a whole wave of generosity. And somebody said, you know what? You are right. I didn't think about that. If we're going to do this, if we're going to share the gospel in a world that doesn't believe it, if we're going to share the gospel and possibly face persecution or even death, if we want to share the gospel, we're going to have to travel to go there. If we're going to share the gospel, we're going to have to recruit people who don't have the resources we have. You know what, my brother? Let me throw mine in too. Then the next person, let me throw mine in too. Well, I don't got no money, but guess what? I got about five acres of land. I'm not doing a doggone thing with. If I sell that, I could probably get about $10,000. Let me sell that too because I love the church. I want us to be an early century type of church that has a no strings attached generosity. I want us to be a first century type of church like Acts. See, Acts ends at Acts 29, 28. But I want us to be an Acts 29 story that we continue the story of Jesus. But it starts with generosity. It's easy for us to give our time. I mean, man, some of y'all are like masters of time giving. It's the hardest thing to give money sometimes. And, and there's several reasons. I know, I, I mean, I'm in the same economy you're in. I'm in the same exact economy. If you live in America, we all have the exact same economy. It's not different. You're American, no matter what state you're in, you're in the same economy. No state is richer than the other. We all poor right now. We all struggling. There are layoffs happening all over the place. We all trying to make our ends get close enough to see each other. Even the millionaires are complaining right now. Huh? That's why they're giving so much kickback to Obamacare, because it's messing with their what? It ain't messing with their time. They're not mad. No, we don't like Obamacare because you're going to cut into my time. No, we don't like Obamacare because you're going to cut into my money. You're going to cost me more money. Everything that we're doing is revolved around money. From the political figures all the way down to the churches, all the way down to the schools, all of it's tied to money. Money, money, money. And guess what? We're all a part of that same economy. None of us are void of it. None of us. So we're all struggling to make our ends get close enough just to see each other and say hello. No longer are we in a time where we wanted our ends to meet. That, that, that time is gone. It's long gone. They just got to get close enough so we can just get by. And this is the type of country and, and, and place we live in. And even doing that, we are among the rich in the world. Even doing that, do you know that God put you in America for a reason? There are people busting through the gates, begging, sneaking in, trying to get here to get some of what we got. We're in a rich country with rich opportunities, but we're taking the money just for ourselves. We're spending money to gratify ourselves. We're spending money to build up ourselves. We're spending money to... I told my wife the other day, we have a five-bedroom house that we don't own. And I says, I'll be doggone if we have a five-bedroom house and I know somebody ain't got nowhere to stay. My door's always open for people. Come live with us. We don't, I mean, it's going to be uncomfortable. It might be a bunch of us in there, but hey, what do what, what, what I need five bedrooms for? To help somebody? Here's a dream I have, that missionaries coming through America or coming to America reach out to me saying, hey, you got somewhere I can lay my head? And I'm like, man, I got a room right here because you're doing the work of God. You got somewhere to stay. You got somewhere to eat. My grandmother up in upstate New York had a boarding house, and people would come up to upstate New York for jobs at the steel plants and the steel mills and stuff, right? She would not charge them a penny for months or years at a time until they got on their feet. 
Her place was not a place for business. It was a place for restoration and rebuilding. She created this boarding house to build up broken people who were looking for other opportunities. She understood what it meant to be a good Christian. And she took that money and always gave it away. Always created a wave of generosity. And because I was a first eyewitness to it, even before I believed in Christ, I thought that was naturally the thing to do was to give what God gave me. Or at the time, I didn't believe in God, but to give whatever I got, I had to give it away because Nanny did that. And I want to be just like Nanny because for some reason, when Nanny did that, a lot of people loved her. And I want to make sure that I'm loved by a lot of people. So I'm going to do the same thing Nanny did. I did not know that she was planting a seed of generosity that will one day bloom so that I could share with people who are believers just like me. She planted a seed of generosity. And so for generations and generations, I'll, have, I'll create a wave of generosity, starting with my family. And then God messed up and made me a pastor, so we're going to get you all there too. Somebody can say amen. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I'm about to get you all somewhere. This is where it gets important. Here's what I know. Many of us have a plan for our finances. Many of us do. Let's just be honest. Many of us have a plan for our finances. In other words, some of you have savings plans. You have a 401K, a 403B. You have a, if you have kids in college, you have a 525, whatever the case may be. Or you just have a regular savings account. Some of us have that. We have investments. We have that. Some of us have a savings plan. Am I right about it? Some of us do. All of us, all of us have a spending plan. It's called a budget. Some of y'all are like, no, I don't got no budget. Yes, you do. You just don't have it on paper, and you probably don't follow it. How do I know you have a spending plan? Because your bank statement says it. Your money comes in, and it goes out somewhere. Only you and your bank account know. So we all have a spending plan. It may not be a, a formal one. It may not be one where, where it's going to bless you in the future, but we all have a spending plan because we spend money as it comes in. That's just right about it, right? We all have a spending plan. But what I want to do today, I want you to be able to leave and answer this one question. This one question. What's my plan for supporting the church I love? In other words, what is my giving plan? If we plan everything else, if you want to take a vacation to Disney World and you know it's going, you know how much it costs, you're going to sit there, you're going to do your research. Let's see if we're going to stay, we can stay in a, a three-star, a four-star, a two-and-a-half-star hotel. Okay, we're going to base our budget on what kind of hotel we're going to stay. Well, how, how close to the park do we want to be? You're going to start doing all that budget. You're going to crunch your numbers. You're going to put it down. And what, what are you going to do? Most of us who plan these vacations, we're going to sit there and say, okay, now in the savings, we're going to take this amount out of our check every month or every week or however the case may be, put it in that savings so that we can go on this vacation within a year, year and a half's time. And if that's not you, let's talk about family reunions because y'all all do family reunions. I want to go to the family reunion to get my T-shirt and get on the bus to go to the family reunion. They told me it's going to be this amount of money. So I need to save this amount of money. I got four kids, so let me see. Five, okay, five hundred, five hundred dollars That's me and four. Okay, cool. So I'm going to save my money in order to do that to get to the family reunion and get my T-shirt and get on the bus and get my plate of barbecue and greens and whatnot. I got to give this amount of money. And you start saving for that. We have a savings plan for all of this stuff. We have a savings plan to go to family reunion. We got a savings plan to go to college. We got a savings plan to go up for weddings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a savings plan for all of these things, but do we have a plan to give God or give to the church we love? It bothers me when I talk to people and they say, man, you know, they don't belong to a church. 
but they, they say they're Christian. And they say, man, you know, I, I can't just give to one single church. I'm going to give to this nonprofit, which is not a Christian nonprofit, but that's my way of giving. I, I, I'm not going to give to a church. I'm just going to give to, 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 to the uh, uh, whatever organization. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to the, to the um, I'm drawing a blank here, the cross people. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Why did I think there was something else? Yeah, I'm going to give to the Red Cross, right? And, and they got the cross, and, and, and they claim to be Christian organization. But how much of your money that you give to them is actually going to the outreach? I can tell you. I can tell you. Most of it goes to overhead. Outreach gets the smallest portion of that. They got so many people that are working for them that they have to give to, they got to pay salaries. They got to keep the lights on. They got to pay for all the buildings they own. I'm being honest with you. I'm not making this up. Check it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. I dare you not to. Listen, all of the money we give to them, and I'm not saying stop giving to them, but I'm about to tell you how to trace where your giving goes. You give to them salaries, uh, uh, properties, all the stuff, all of these things go into play. Then the outreach. You give $20. 50 cent of your 20 goes to the outreach that you gave the money for. 50 cent. Watch this. You give to your local church, 100% goes to exactly what we said it's going to go for. Hmm? We asked y'all to give for Christmas so we could bless families so they can eat. They ate, and they had extras, and they had leftover. And those old families who couldn't make it when we did the outreach, those who couldn't make it, I used my gas in my car and drove over there and delivered the goods. All of the money we asked you to give goes exactly to where we say it's going to go. And you can check the records. That's why we have an open book here. We ask for you to give so that we can give, so that we can be an Acts 29 church or or, or, a church just like the the early church in the first century that gives generously, that gives uh, without uh, without no strings attached. We're not asking anything in return. We're doing this because we know it honors God. But we can't do a whole lot of that. Why? Because... We don't have anything. You know, let me tell you something. We have zero in savings at this church. And people are like, man, we're not growing. Well, why would God have us growing? We ain't, we, we, we're, not, we're not doing what we need to do. What if somebody says today, man, listen, Mosaic, man, I'm seeing what y'all are doing in Mableton. Y'all are killing it. Y'all are knocking it out the park. I want to give you a building. I, w- I want you to have this building. It's y'all's building to do whatever you need to do. But all I need is $500. Y'all know we can't even pull that off right now. I don't want to scare you, but I just want to be truthful and be honest with you. We just don't have it in savings. I'd have to take up an offering, which I hate doing. I absolutely hate doing that. Say, hey, today can y'all give a little bit extra? No, no, no. We should be in a place where we're so comfortable, we're so set, that we should never have to take an offering because we, we are an Acts church, a first century type of church that gives because that's what our mandate from God is to do, is to be generous in our giving, to be generous in our giving. I, I knew it was going to get quiet at some point. I didn't know it was going to be right now. Just wait till I ask for your money first, and then, then y'all can get silent. Because that's when I, I, had it, I had it kind of scripted that y'all would get silent. Right here, they get silent. Y'all got silent before I got to that point. (laughs) I'm going to tell y'all what the other 75% of you can do in a minute. Because the 25% that give regularly, thank you so much for honoring God, but we're going to need 75% of you all to step up to the plate, and I'll I'll explain that in a minute. There was a time, I want to share the scripture with you. Luke 3, 10, 11 says this. John replied, If you have two shirts, 
give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Let me tell you what happened during this time. John the Baptist was, was radical. He was like, he didn't, he didn't hold back when he was preaching. He called you out. I mean, watch this. Right before this, he called these people all kind of dogs and you, you, you terrible people who don't listen to the word. You're just out here sinning and cutting up. He called them out, made them feel shameful, and then said, you all need to be baptized and cleansed and repent of your sins. Just call them out. And your hearts ain't right for Jesus is on his way. You need to get your hearts right. So then the question was from this group, well, what can we do? To do that, what can we do to make our hearts right and prepare for the return of, of, of Jesus? I mean, for, not for return, but for him coming, for the Messiah to come. He's on his way. He's supposed to be coming. What can we do to prepare our hearts for that? And John says here, he started right with this one. He says, you people, this is what you could do. Give, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. So they looked at this like, oh, two shirts, man, that's easy. I got, I, got, I got three. I'll give one away. That's no problem. But food, that's a problem. Because during these times, food was scarce. I'm just going to be honest. Food was scarce. There was no storage for them. They didn't have these boxes that we call refrigerators now. They didn't have that. They couldn't keep food. As a matter of fact, each family each day had to go to the town center to receive their ration of bread for the day. Food was scarce. And you're telling me, in order to get right with this coming Messiah that you said you are not, I have to give food. The shirt, we're cool. I got that. Can we, I give two shirts. But, but, but food, that's a whole other story. I can't give. I got a family. I have bills. We, I've got stuff to do. I need my family out there working. And if I give them less food, they're not going to work. Food, let's negotiate that. Why is that relevant today? Let me fix that. In order to be right with God, you have to give a portion of your income. Ooh, a portion of my income. Ooh, I got bills through Comcast and Georgia Power and the water company, my mortgage company, my car note, my insurance. Ooh, money. Ooh. Y'all sound just like the people he was talking to. Ooh, man, you don't know, man. I got, I got, listen, I got more month than I have money. And you're asking me to give, pastor? Come on, man. Can, can I just give more of my time? Yeah, you can do that. I, actually, I love it. We, I think our volunteers who serve every day would love it too. But I, it would really, really, really mean a lot if you gave some of your money. 25% are regular givers in this church, and we've been able to sustain 25%. Imagine if the other 75% committed to giving every single week something. Just something. I mean, at this point, something is better than nothing. If you said, you know what, it's 365 days of the year, I'm going to give a dollar. You know what, I'm just going to give a dollar a week. Huh? So that's what? $52 for the year makes a difference at Mosaic Church. Remember, I'm talking to rich folk. I'm talking to rich folk who love their church. Now, I hope. Now, now Jasmine, who's a teenager, she can get away with the $52 for the year. Uh, (laughs) 
Kara, she can get, they can get away. They're, they're young folk. They don't have a whole lot of income. What they get is from babysitting. But you grown folk who have some sort of income, don't, don't do that to, to God. Don't, 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 do, don't do that. I'm not giving you license. Because if I see your name in an offering, you said 52, that's it for the year. We good, Doc. Don't pass. Listen, don't let that bucket pass me. Don't let it get in front. I gave my 52 for the year. No, that's not, that's not you. That's, you better not do it. I will call. I will put your name. I'll put it on the bulletin. I'll be that church. Y'all better stop. Don't get me going. Here's what I want to do, and we're going to leave on this one. I want to give you a simple plan, a simple plan for giving to your church. But before I do that, let me tell you a few things. Here, here are three reasons why we don't give. And I'm speaking specifically of Mosaic Church from what I've gathered in conversation and just guessing. Watch this. Number one, there's a trust issue. There's a trust issue. You've been, you've been hurt by a pastor in the past who took your money and went on vacation and did things and bought cars. Uh, you, you know, there's some situational things that may cause you to have some trust issues. I, I, I get that. But as I said last week, you ain't got to worry about that with your pastor. Because if I had some extra money, I would get that, that hubcap replaced right away. We won't be driving around with the black rim. We'd have a hubcap on that missing hubcap. Amen. You know I'm broke. I ain't even replaced the hubcap. So it's not us. We don't got your money. And this year, for the first time in about three years, through the grace of Obamacare, we're able to have health insurance. Huh? If you do the, amen, hallelujah. If you do the math, three years ago was 2011 when I first became a pastor and quit all of my jobs so that I can do this. So now, by the grace of God and Obamacare, thank you, Obama, my man. Thank you, God, for telling Obama to do that. Okay, what you say? I don't care what you say about my president. I got health care. I don't care what you say. I got health care. I don't care how it affects you. I got health care. Me and my wife can't wait to go to the doctor just to say we can do it. All right, moving on. Trust is an issue. That's why we have an open book policy at the end of service. If you want to see uh, our, our giving, st- our statements for the rest, for the entire year of last year, you're more than welcome to see where our spending went. You're more than welcome. We are open book. We'll always be that, and I promise that. Number two, some of you um, don't give because it's my fault. I always forget to take up an offering. Don't I? Y'all know it. I've had, listen, Miss Elsie called me out. You need to pass the bucket or something, Roderick. Look at it. She's telling me now. That's why I love her. But it's true. I always forget. I'm not going to forget today because it's all about that today. I always forget. And you come here week after week. You see everything set up. We're here. We got food laid out. We got everything going on. Church don't need my money. We're good. Church, man, church is doing well. They're good. Huh? Three reasons why we don't give. Issues of trust. Pastor B forgets. That's right. Pastor B forgets to take an offering. You come and it looks like everything is good. No, we need your money. We need your money in a major way. Final reason why we don't give is we don't have a plan for it. We don't have a giving plan. Right? We don't, notice, I have not said one time this entire message, I haven't talked about tithing at all. You get so much rebuttal because it's from the Old Testament. And I can show you scripture where Jesus said, yes, tithe. But listen, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's a good marking point of giving your 10%. Matter of fact, when we give, if I don't give 10%, I feel like I'm cheating God. 
you know. I often say give, give your very best, and I, I believe you should. But if you can give full 10%, do that. And we got, here's, here's what I want to tell you. We've been able to pay these bills because we have tithers, not givers. Those regular folk who give, give a tithe. Not, not, not just here, here, here's a couple bucks here and there. They give a full tithe. Here's the plan I want to share with you, and we're going to get out of here. It's real simple. Watch this. The first thing you can do is percentage priority giving, or you can set a dollar amount. In other words, you say today, you know what? Pastor B made a good point. I don't want to just be coming here and, and singing great worship and eating uh, the breakfast and drinking the coffee and sitting in the chairs and soaking up the heat and, and, and then listening to some, some good word. And the brother even dresses up every now and again for us. I don't want to soak all of this up and just be a consumer and not reciprocate somehow, some way. So today I'm going to commit to giving a percentage of my income. And no matter what happens the rest of this year, whether I receive an increase or decrease, if I go left or right, no matter what happens this year, I'm going to stick to this amount or stick to this percentage of my income. Now, let me tell you how this works best. If you are salaried, your, 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 your income never changes, it's way easier to just say, I'm going to give this, do- this dollar, no, I mean, this, this uh, dollar amount, yes. No matter what. If you salary, you say, I'm going to give this dollar amount, or you can do percentage. If you're a contract worker like myself and my wife, um, outside of, you know, church, we do still get out there and hustle. If we didn't, we, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so we still do a little bit of con- uh, consulting here and there percentage-wise, so, so it's tough. You never know exactly what your income is going to be until you negotiate with whoever you're negotiating with. So we give a percentage no matter what. It's always a tie, period, point blank, in the discussion. If I make $5, yeah, I'm going to give God a nickel, okay? If, if I make $500, you know, so forth and so on, whatever I make, he's going to get 10% of what, I'm, what, I, what I get right off the rip. That's the first thing Eric and I commit ourselves to. And I know it because I looked at our giving statement. I looked at the entire church giving statement. We're right where we should be at the top of givers because this is the church we love. This is the church we love and we believe in. And so give a percentage today, make that commitment, or a set amount. And don't change it because guess what? The minute you say that, the devil's going to be like, all up in your ear, all up in your ear. And don't listen to that mess. The minute you start to commit yourself to doing something that would honor God, he's all up in your ear. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't listen to it. Here's the second thing. Prioritize what's important. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you because I already know. Some of y'all have, have it where some of the bills you pay, like your mortgage or your insurance or your car note or whatever, you, you listen, you get direct deposit from your job, that check is there, and then come Monday, everybody else then pulled out because you have it on autopilot. Right? You don't think about it. I hope there are no check writers in here. There might be like two or three. There are still some check writers. Okay, y'all need to get with the times. Okay? They, they about to stop printing checks just like they about to stop printing money. Y'all, y'all better catch up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Listen, I like to write a check now every now and again too, but I, I, I have to look for it every single time because I don't use it. I use the debit and, and Dave Ramsey system, cash. But when they stop printing that, I got to figure out something else. Dave Ramsey, I, I bet you he's working on a plan right now to, to be ready for that. When they stop using money, if you've ever done Ray, Dave Ramsey, he tells you you got to use cash for everything. When they stop printing that cash, Dave Ramsey's going to have to rethink his game plan. Prioritize what's important. Let me tell you something. We have online giving. 
do y'all know how many churches in America don't? They still won't do it. I'm like, are you serious? I was just talking with somebody like the other day. They're like, how can I sell my pastor on that? I says, tell them this. This is what pastors like to hear. It's free and the processing fees are low through PayPal. Do it. And it will increase exponentially. Let me tell you something. 80% of the people at this church give online. 80% of y'all give online. It's probably why I forget to do the offering in the service. 80% of y'all give online. How about that? Watch this. Out of that 80%, I think it's like 2% of y'all or so have it automatic recurring giving. So it's like no matter what comes in, when I get direct deposit, church gets theirs right away. But I'm not going to say church. That turn you off. God gets his right away. I'm going to drop my God card. Some of y'all have it automated. Do that. Prioritize what's important because just like me, some of y'all are not disciplined to do it yourselves. Prioritize what's important. Amen. Here's what I know. We're going to pray our way on out of here. Here's what I know. Let me say this, and then you come. Here's what I know. You will miss the money you waste. You will miss the money you throw away. You will miss the money you lose, but I guarantee you will never miss the money you give to the church that you love. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.